This episode of PodSAM is supported by Doppelmeyer. We may have gotten a little confident that everyone's okay when in fact the consumer might need to be coddled a little more rather than left alone. You have tuned into PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. Last winter, unified messaging and clear COVID protocols resulted in a successful season marked by transparent communication, strong participation, no major staff outbreaks, and zero U.S. ski area closures. This winter has already been a bit different. On this episode of PodSAM, we do a gut check with members of the NSAA team, operators, and communications professionals on what we can do to get ahead of the chaos. We'll start the conversation here with SAM publisher Olivia Rowan. Thank you all for joining us today for our, our huddle. Um, I'm Olivia Rowan, publisher <clears throat> and we have a full panel and lots to talk about. Um, I'll introduce our panelists as we go along, so let's get started. Let's start with Kelly Pollock, CEO of NSAA. Um, she has some updates from her team. So Kelly, what, what have you got for us? Hi, everybody. Thanks, Olivia. Um, my job's kind of easy today because I really want to just listen to what you have to say. But in case you have not heard, on Monday, we send out a notice canceling our winter shows both in the West and the East. Um, we apologize. Uh, what I think you're going to hear today is much of the reason why we had to cancel. Uh, the tipping point really was hearing that uh, not only you understaffed, but some of your staff are out sick. And we just didn't want to put more strain. Um, I am in a give my time <laughs> to Dave Bird, because really that's the issue that you probably want to hear from um, NSAA about, and that is the OSHA ETS update, and that will be a little later. So thank you. Thanks, Kelly, so much. Um, and as she mentioned, uh, Dave and John Melcher um, will discuss the OSHA ETS um, after we go through some check-in with some of the operators in the call. So um, let's start with a little scene setter of, of where, we're, where we're at. Um, last year, we were prepared for COVID. We had clear and frequent messaging. We managed guest expectations. We had a lot of intervention and guidance um, at the local, state, and federal level. We knew our protocols well in advance of the season, and we were utilizing NSCA Ski Well, Be Well. On these huddles last spring, operators shared how successful uh, their well-laid plans were. We had record visitation with no record days. We became smarter businesses because the pandemic forced us to make needed changes and accelerate and improve areas of our business like tech and ticket yield. Reservation systems, for example, they control demand and, um, and they preserved the experience. We proved the outdoors was safe during the pandemic and we pulled out an amazing win. This year, we didn't take the same approach. I think um, like most people, we were looking forward to a more normal year. And um, we stopped doing these huddles for a while, um, but we didn't get that normal year. We got serious staff shortages, more COVID absences and weather extremes. This season, we seem to have been caught using hope as a strategy. And I borrow that phrase from longtime industry veteran, Bill Jensen, who often advises his team against that kind of approach. Bill noted that this year we played our Super Bowl at the start of a season that coincided with a new variant taking out our staff on top of existing labor problems. Disruptions in operations from closed lifts to F&B outlets and a crush of customers showing up, and in some cases showing up like never before. And we weren't ready for it all to happen on our Super Bowl week. And now the national news and social media channels are all highlighting 
Some of the issues they're reporting on the long lift lines the parking woes, COVID outbreaks, operational disruptions. So we're taking a gut check and wondering, are we due for a mid-course correction? In fact, we're already seeing some resorts doing that mid-course correction. Um, or do we do like Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who announced uh, yesterday that the UK would ride it out with no more curbing? And I've, I've heard that from others in the industry, let this thing run its course, um, but it's taking a huge toll on our teams and it might cause a perception problem that could linger. So we have lots of questions and not a lot of time, but um, these are some of the things we'll discuss in today's huddle. So let's check in with our operators first on the panel who are experiencing the full brunt of this latest variant. Um, I spoke with Scott Brandy briefly yesterday, just checking in on how New York skiers are doing. He's the president of skiers of New York. And he said his ski area struggled more with warm temps than Omicron um, this holiday. And despite uh, the warm temps and Omicron, um, those that were open last week did very well visitation wise. He said that they went into the week with an indoor mask mandate and customers, he said at the day areas already were comfortable booting up in the parking lot. So he didn't feel there was a lot of impact. However, he feels that they have not peaked with the full impact um, that he's seeing with other resorts. And he is concerned of the impact on employees and disruption to ops. So heading to the Mid-Atlantic region, we have Jay Gamble with us on the panel today, GM of Wintergreen, Virginia. And Jay, this huddle was conceived after reading your GM letter on social media. And it immediately got our attention because it took us back to a reminder of this type of communication we saw frequently last winter, a lot of GM levels. As we started to call around, we heard this was the situation for a great many resorts, but your communication stood out because you set a tone from the very start of super transparency, frequent communication, and even announced yesterday when you were announcing you were gonna open today, you still reminded people that you had a recent outbreak. So you were carrying that message through. Were you cut off guard this season with the speed at which it roared through and compounded with other issues like staffing and weather? It's hard to say because last year, with all the precautions we took, we still kind of dodged a bullet and most people were not vaccinated yet. So this year with everybody vaccinated, we saw the spikes in August of Delta by the end of September, those were subsiding. So when Omicron really started coming around in early December, things went from very low incidences in, in our community and our region to very high within 10 to 14 days. So I think the speed which would it, with which it moved was probably the biggest surprise and everything that did not infect us or impact us last year began with a vengeance uh, before the season really started good. My uh, first blog post on COVID was on December 18, followed by another one on December 22. And so when you couple a warm start to the ski season, when we would be looking for every other activity that we can offer, whether it be restaurants, entertainment, all those things, we ended up having to shut down restaurants because they were the first to implode with infections. Uh, you know, kitchens are very busy places with people coming and going, working in close proximity. So we ended up having to close almost all indoor dining because of no skilled staff. Then you look at large gatherings that you would do for other entertainment and backing down on some of those. So 
it put a real damper through the entire Christmas, the New Year's holiday week here at Wintergreen. And, um, you know, you definitely took an approach of honesty and frequency um, for your communication. Um, were you nervous of customers when you first started to see how much this was imploding? Were you nervous that customers were not ready for that messaging, that they're kind of tired of it? Or did we have to return to that kind of messaging? Um, did you, did you, what was the reception from staff and customers when you started to put out this messaging? Overall, it's been extraordinarily positive. If knowing what I know now, we would never have done it any other way. But that messaging did go through two or three iterations of final copy before it was released because we began maybe trying to have a little bit of marketing speak in it. Uh, you know, we're, we're optimists that we wouldn't be in this business. But by the time the gravity of it really started sinking in. We just went straight to full transparency and there are 3,800 homeowners and condos on Wintergreen. So there's a big audience right here. And, and then there are season pass holders and other stakeholders beyond the immediate community, but it's been very well received. I'm not sure I've heard any negatives. And, and you, I think you just answered my, my, last question here, which is, you know, with the hindsight and that you've kind of, there's some resorts that haven't hit, that hasn't hit them yet. And it probably will, you know, is there anything you would do differently or any advice that you would give folks that you wish that you had been better prepared um, for? Well, I'm almost reluctant to make a joke with something as serious as hey, this, but humor uh, is needed right now. <laughs> one of our senior managers said we should have a keg party with just one cup and let's everybody get this thing and get it behind us. Because the reality is we're having these constant ups and downs, ups and downs, uh, trying to renormalize operations after what was a relatively um, substantial outbreak early. So now you just keep getting the bumps in the road, bumps in the road. We think we're coming back to full operation in this venue or another. And then we realize, no, three people have just gone into quarantine. Um, and on top of that is all the confusing and changing guidance from CDC. Uh, we have employees who don't understand what's going on. And then there's other employees who do understand it. And they're still not comfortable, even after somebody quarantines for 10 days, to come back into the workplace and work close to them even though both may be vaxxed. And I should make this point too. The majority of our cases, and by a high percentage, were double vaxxed and some were boosted. And these were breakthrough cases. Generally mild. Most were very mild. In fact, to be honest with you, four years ago, somebody would have called it a runny nose and a sore throat and they would have come to work. Yeah, that's what we're hearing. Well, Jay, I thank you for um, sharing what's going on there. We may come back to you with some questions, but um, let's head now to Colorado with Brent Jurgaskis, GM at Eldora Mountain. Um, Brent, over Christmas week, Colorado was in the headlines a lot. Uh, three of the counties in Colorado were on the top 10 list for case counts. Um, and of course, the wildfire on Friday 
redefined um, as something that can happen winter in suburban areas and compounding problems are staffing shortages um, heading into the season and the Omicron outbreaks that you personally dealt with. So um, tell us a little bit about, you know, you had a, a, a pretty substantial staffing shortage heading into the season and, and take us from that to when the, the <coughs> outbreak hit. Yeah, I mean, it's been a tough start in Colorado. We definitely got off to a late start in most places, um, a lot less snow than normal. Um, most places, is, you know, like some places really did well. Aspen got a lot of snow down south and Purgatory got a lot of snow. Some places benefited, you know, about a month ago, but certainly not in November as, no, as the norm. So we had a tough start. The fire thing, which affected us directly, I, I don't know how many employees I have, that are affected directly, but it's somewhere north of the half a dozen that uh, have had real direct impact from the fire. And, uh, and it's really unusual not to have snow by now down in the flatlands. I mean, I live down in the Boulder area and that's where the, the fire was basically just outside of Boulder and there was not a stitch of snow on the ground. So really unusual circumstance and, and big winds. Um, was probably the only day of the year I remember there's been bigger winds down in the flatlands than at Eldora, uh, which is known for wind. So uh, we've had a tough start all in all, finally getting some snow now. Um, I think the, the the good news for us is, you know, I'm a three quarter full person and, a, and our, our holidays was a little bit off, at least at Eldora. We didn't have the big crowds that we had had the last three and four years. Uh, over Christmas, we were we'd had a strong Christmas, but not a great Christmas. So you know we did we did okay, and with the staffing we had, we survived and did a pretty good job. And we were able to park all the cars, and and so far had been really lucky. Knock on wood about getting through most of the holidays before before the coronavirus, the new um, Omicron variant, hit us hard. But in the last ten days, it's really changed, as you are well aware. I mean, I think. Three days ago, we had over 40 people out. We have a staff of about 500 and something. We were probably 50 short to start out the year. So we're running around 100 people shorter than what we would love to be running. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, we've been able to still function um, reasonably well. Um, part of that's just because our volume wasn't 100%. We finally have been the last several days kind of back to hitting normal, but it's really as of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, the first days we've hit our, our budgeted plan. So we've been a little shy. Some of the other resorts, certainly in the in Summit County and Eagle County and Route had stronger holiday uh, crowds than I did because it's you know more dependent on, on uh, out-of-state visitors and they were busier and had a, probably a bigger problem with COVID than we did. Um, and we've, we've been pretty fortunate. I, I think what I would share is we're one of the companies that went to a, a mandatory uh, vaccination mandate. And yeah, that cost us some employees on the front end, but it really, I think, um, helped us out in general. So the few people that have had it or the people that have had it have had very mild symptoms, including myself. I don't mind publicly admitting I got it uh, right before Christmas and had you know three days of a major headache and and some flu symptoms and just congestion in my head and then I was fine and uh, obviously back to work. Uh, we're we're happy that the CDC did the five day quarantine versus ten because it 
made our our that 40 something number go to about 20 right i checked this morning in preparation for this we're ran, running about 21 people that are out on covid protocol so it's it's affected us you know yesterday's one of the first days i didn't operate both of our ticket window or areas we just shut one down because we were so short on employees so uh, it's helped a little bit doing that and i i really feel like our vaccination mandate policy helped us in the context of really avoiding any limitations from this county or the state in reducing our capacity like they did a year ago. So, I mean, we're, we're getting through it. I, I'm, I'm probably, and I don't really want to see everybody get it at once. I think that's going to wipe us out, but I, I will warn everybody that my, my take is it's going to be a lot of bumps in the road between now and April. And we're going to be living this with, with people out every single day. And I just hope it's not dramatic enough that it wipes out a whole department all at once. Because if it wipes out, you know, five lift operators in one day and five next week and five the next week and five the next week, that's better than 40 all at once. So I think the bumps in the road are going to be the norm. And we're just going to have to live with this. And and thank God, most of Americans are vaccinated because the the ramifications and the hospitalization and the deaths that were occurring a year ago just aren't we're not seeing that so feel pretty lucky as far as the public unmask mandates we've been we have a mask mask mandate and always have but they inside restaurants boulders pretty liberal and and we've had that been living that with that so our customers are used to it and we're not catching a lot of flack like we did a year ago um so we don't have a lot of mask holes, as I called <laughs> last year, and uh, we've had a good support from the from the public in that regard. So that's kind of my update. If, if you're feeling <clears throat> like this is going to be a bumpy road until April, you know, what has your approach been to um, communicating to staff and customers? How, how what's your approach to how to manage the communication? Keep the stoke, but you got also manage informing the staff of these bumps and your customers of the bumps. So are you taking it? Uh, well, how are you doing? What's, so what's we, have, we haven't been, well, the staff is very aware of what's going on be, because we're also, I, I probably could have mentioned this. We're using a, a internal thing or an external company called job uh, site cares that has a kind of a text badge system. So you, if you have any symptoms, you have, you go in, in the morning through a text. That's what we did all last year. Every day you had to text in and say, I have no symptoms and fill out a little, I think there's 13 questions that you, that you answer, and then you get released to come to work. So we're still use, employing that for anyone with symptoms. And frankly, it kind of takes the onus off of us. So the employees are know, know what's going on and they're, they're watching it. So we've just done a pretty good job internally of just continuing to remind people to wear a mask. People are, have been very good about it and we haven't had a huge problem yet, but our our group is is very pro-mask that we've lived that the last you know year and a half. And, and uh, there's been very few instances that I even catch an employee in an interior space without a mask on. So we haven't, it hasn't affected us that, that horribly yet. And we've been, we've been, as opposed to like what Jay described with the public, and even knock on wood, we haven't had to reduce our, our offerings much. I mean, we've, we still plan on having normal ski school. It really started to yesterday. And um, 
And uh, so far we're losing some ski instructors. We've been able to fill in and people have been pretty willing to, to come in on their day off and if they're not sick and we've been lucky uh, is what I'd say. I don't say, think we're doing anything great or uh, revolutionary. I just think we've been lucky so far, but I, I think this is gonna continue to roll and it's spreading like wildfire, as you know. Do you have that approach of communication? What, like, how, what are you saying to the customers so that they can expect, how are you meeting their expectations for bumps in the road for customers? We, we really haven't changed our messaging from the beginning. You know, we put that out there that, look, we're going to be short staffed. It's going to be it's going to be a tough road, but we're and we're going to require masks. We're not doing shuttles and some of the basic things that we learned from last year that we found maybe unnecessary. So we have not changed our messaging from what we put out originally, which kind of addressed a lot of the things we've learned from a year ago. So because of, we've been relatively lucky with the variant and we haven't had to not run a chairlift uh, that's noticeable, um, we haven't changed our message in the last three weeks due to Omicron, I would say that. Um, thanks, Brent. So uh, let's head up north to our colleagues across the border. Um, joining us is Steve Pacquignan, who is the president and CEO of Panorama Resort BC. Um, Steve, you told us you had early snow and lots of pre-sold product heading into Christmas week, a nice start. Um, but then things changed with Omicron taking out portions of your staff. So what was and is the situation for you? Um, yeah, no, the consumer demand for um, ski and winter product uh, was really high by all accounts. And, and we grew uh, that that demand for the product. And I think the whole industry grew the demand for the product year over year. So, you know, going into the winter, there was a lot of uh, excitement and, and certainly a lot of product sold and the whole real estate phenomena as well. I mean, who would have thought that uh, in terms of what, you know, we're experiencing across North America. Um, the snow here in the West um, is now exceptional, um, despite some very, very cold temperatures through the holiday period, which probably um, resulting in some visitation uh, dropping. But again, I think that product demand uh, and certainly the pre-sold product out there will see us bounce back um, optimistically as we look towards uh, February, March and the tail end of the season. Um, and some of the resorts obviously were affected by some, you know, absolutely incredible weather phenomena that washed out major highways and things like that. But you know, overall, the snow is good, and, and I think that people did relatively well despite some low visitation over Christmas. The biggest thing that we're facing, uh, like everybody else, is just, um, you know, already staff shortages coupled with Omicron sweeping through the entire communities and, and the resorts of all, as a whole. And, you know, that's been our biggest challenge and our biggest priority. Um, we are uh, adjusting the operation like many others day to day. It's like every day is a special event. You know, you go in, you, you assess it, and then you adjust the operation. I think, um, you know, Jay nailed it. Uh, transparency with our uh, consumers and, and transparency with our staff is, is the best way forward. Just, you know, speak to them with confidence um, and, and talk to them about what we're going to do and how we're going to approach the situation and, and how things will operate on, on a weekly or even a daily basis is the best way forward. I started out um, the, the winter here doing some video vignettes, and I know others have done that as well. And it's just proven to be uh, well accepted by 
you know, our guests and certainly the consumers at the end of the day, and, and they look forward to it. They look forward to hearing about what we have to tell them. And, and I think, you know, the biggest feedback that, that I've gotten personally is they're thanking us as operators, not just, you know, me, but operators as a whole for telling them the truth and, and certainly letting them know what to expect when they come to the resort. So that's been really well received overall. You know, if I, if I look at Canada as a whole, um, the government regulators continue to show incredible confidence in our industry for all parts of Canada, which, you know, has allowed us to be viable operators and, you know, we're adjusting to the situation, but, you know, we forged a great relationship with government across the country and, you know, they've really looked to us um, as a result of all the hard work over the past year that the industry as a whole, both in the U.S. and Canada, have put into this rolling playbook. And, you know, right now that playbook is having to be adjusted when it comes to staff shortages and operational challenges, but I think overall we're doing well. Um, optimistically, you know, looking forward, I, I share in some of the, the comments, I, I think this will potentially sweep through and, you know, we're starting to see of the 70 some odd staff uh, at our resort that have um, been infected, we're starting to see more and more come back into the operation now. And I think we're, we're adjusting to this new normal. And I, I do believe that February and March um, could be exceptionally strong for our industry going forward. Bigger picture, when I, I look at the industry as a whole, um, huge opportunity for us to look at innovative ways. I mean, we're always going to be, you know, looking for great people and um, certainly, you know, recruiting uh, internationally, but innovative ways to, to uh, embrace technology and, and start to put some things in place that may not have us so reliant on a huge headcount going forward. We're still going to need people and we embrace our people. But I think as we look to the, to the bigger picture here, some new opportunities arising as a result, result of all of this. So if, you know, I mean, you definitely have a, the situation where Canada has much clearer rules for, for businesses. And, and I, I'm, it sounds like the, that kind of clarity helped you manage the disruptions over Christmas break. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so what advice would you, and we don't, as you, you know, you know, in States, we don't have the same level of guidance that we had going into last season. So it's kind of left up to us, but so what advice would you have for um, operators who, you know, did, is video a, a better message? Do you think if you, if that's how you used your messaging, I see, you know, there's a lot of blogs and GM letters. Did you find video messaging was, was your best way to communicate the the transparency of the situation? For us in our situation and, and my experience, yes. Um, you know, just be, be built, be bold, be brief, be gone. Um, it, it doesn't have to be long-winded by any stretch and, and certainly not contrived. Um, just have a clear message and, and certainly be sincere about it. Um, and it really worked well for us. Have you told them, just curious, Have you? do they know you're out, the president of the... <laughs> yeah, you know what's interesting? Um, yes. And, and I think the biggest message that I've been able to send to my people is there's no badge in, uh, in, no badge of honor rushing back um, in terms of, of being ill. And we've, we've walked the walk and talked the talk and making sure that, you know, we send a clear message from the top. Look, I never went into the season thinking that I would, 
you know, get COVID and everybody out there across this great industry is protecting themselves, their guests and, and, their, and their people, but it happens and it's happening at a, at a rapid pace. So I, I've gotten it. And uh, the message, the best message I could send to our people is um, those that have fallen sick, we feel for you, but more importantly, there's no badge of honor rushing back. So do the right thing, get yourself well. Um, there, there is some self-preservation that you, you have to do so that we can live for another day and, and certainly look forward to the rest of the winter. I'm very optimistic about the rest of the winter. There is a bit of a rush here because we've just gone down to five days quarantine. So <laughs> a little bit different in the States, but. Uh, no, but it's you, the same here. It's, it's five it? days now. And okay. um, yeah, we're, we're certainly, uh, you know, wanting to get our, our people back into the workforce and, and they want to be there, yeah. but just making sure that uh, I, I think it's a good message. Cool. All right. Well, thanks, Steve. I appreciate your insights. We'll be right back after we thank PodSAM and Huddle partner Doppelmeyer. Innovative transport systems from the Doppelmeyer Garaventa Group continually set new standards. Top comfort and safety defy installations in summer and winter tourism regions, as well as the urban transit sector. With Doppelmeyer Garaventa, customers get top quality in modern design, user-friendly solutions, and optimum service. From the initial idea to the completed project and beyond, learn more at www.doppelmeyer.com. Um, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, we've asked Moira McCarthy to join us today. Um, she writes quite often on health topics and our winter sports world, um, including one of the last ski sections in the U.S. in the Boston Herald. So we've asked her to share what she's hearing from the consumer side and her perspective on what we're getting right and um, what perhaps we might be missing the mark on with our customers this season. Um, so, Moira, start, let's start with what stories worked last year and why and and you know how are you finding writing about our experience this year and do we have a perception problem so last year was a really remarkable year to be covering the ski industry and to be communicating to the consumers about it um because for me and i also side note on a on another side, I'm the lead COVID reporter for the largest health website in the world. So I've been talking to Fauci every week and all that kind of stuff and watching industries. And I have to say that the ski industry, far and above almost every industry, including restaurants, banded together and had a unified voice that cared about the public and made the right choices without fear Um even if you hid your fear a little, you did it in a way that I think won over people. If every industry could have followed what the ski industry did last year, we might be in a better place in the world. So, so I want to premise it with that. And so last year, every week, I actually added to my ski section a little COVID corner every week and kind of updated people on what might be new and what's different and what you can expect and things like that. And toward March, it started to feel like people didn't need that anymore, that they had gotten the hang of things. They got over the fear of, I mean, I personally day trips for the rest of my life, I'm putting my boots on at my car. I think it's, I think it's a superior way to do a ski day. And a lot of people learn things like that. But I think the difference between last year and this year and what people are, are hearing um, is that a year ago, 
we were still a more patient society. And one of the things that I want to share with you that I'm kind of hearing out there from readers is, um, you know, everyone, including all of us, probably in a way we may not even realize has been through an awful lot the past couple of years. And we've all had to sort of embrace new ideas and accept patients in a new way we ever did before and be more caring of other people. And it has impacted people in a way that I think mental health is an issue across the board. Why would that matter with what you're doing this year? Because I would suggest that while we all kind of hoped that we didn't have to do as much this year, and last year was such an, a remarkable, wonderful success for people discovering and rediscovering our industry, right? That we may have gotten a little confident that everyone's okay, when in fact, the consumer might need to be coddled a little more rather than left alone. And that's because everyone's lost their patience. And I think that's part of why we see last year, I watch social media closely and I read all the crazy sites every day, even though it makes me want to lose my mind. But last year, the minority was the person complaining and the majority would jump on them and say, bah, 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 stop it. They're doing their best. You can get out there. You should be thankful this year. And of course, social media is only the people who post on it. There's more people outside of that, but it's important this year it's almost like the minority are the people who are talking about what they're happy about and the people who are complaining are in the majority on social media. I don't think that's necessarily because a vast majority of people are really unhappy, but I think the people who are unhappy are really, really, really wanting because of not having any, you know, patience left to just be angry. So, so what does the industry do about that and how do I report it? Well, when I work for ski area management, I write about the industry. But when I write for Ski Magazine and when I write for the Boston Herald, I'm not looking to write news stories or to talk about negative things. What I'm looking to do is give the resorts a way to share with the consumer what they offer and give the consumers a way to figure out what's a good fit for them. So this year, I did one intro story on what this year is going to be like. And other than brief asides, I haven't yet talked about COVID restrictions a lot in my stories. But like you guys, that's kind of changing a little. Um, but I think that what I would suggest is as courageous and heroic as you were last year, double down on it this year, because the investment you made last year is sh showing off in spades with the amount of people who want to get out there. But I don't think we're done investing in those people yet and in our industry yet. And I think um, uh, Brent was saying rolling through the year. I don't know quite how you can do this because I'm only a writer and not a smart person, but what if, you know how you have your snow report every day? What if there was a way that a skier could go on your website in the morning and I don't know, see a thermometer or a thing that tells like staffing is down 50% today. You might experience this when you get here and you might not, you know, we're at full, everyone's coming in today. We're, we're fully good. What, what if there was a way to tap in through this rolling time where everything is changing and at least give people a feel for what they might expect. Because I might say, I don't mind waiting in a lip line for 15 minutes. They told me I'm going to, I'm going to work my way around that. So that's the first thing I'd say. And the second thing that I would say is, um, 
I don't know. I don't know how you try a little tenderness after everything you did last year, but I think we've got to find a way to remind the consumer that we really care about them more than anything else in whatever this year's way of that year looks like. I'm really proud of what you guys did last year. And I really think that this is a good moment to regroup and step back up to that, um, that excellence that this industry has. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. It's uh, back to sort of, we met the expectations last winter and maybe we need to do that again this winter, um, you know, with, with an, an adjustment in our messaging. So thanks for Honest, Honesty goes a long way. It does. Transparency. Yes. Um, Let's turn to Skip King of Reputation Strategies. Um, Many of you probably know Skip. Um, He is a PR crisis communication specialist for ski resorts, been around the industry a long time. Um, You know, Skip, there is fertile ground for communication right now between extreme weather events and pandemic variants and staffing shortages and and then, of course, the daily images of the long lift lines that is circulating social media. So skiers are grappling with how to blend now the, the stoke and the amazing you know, experience that we offer with the seriousness of these situations. And so you've listened to all of these experiences and perspectives. Where do you land on advice for resorts uh, and how they should, should they be a mid-course correction here and how they're communicating? Should they double down on anything um, what, what's, what is your advice? Well, there are, there are really, from my perspective, three major issues going on right at the moment. The first is the Omicron wave. And if the indications in other countries are accurate, then this wave is probably going to peak quickly and subside. So my counsel with that would be to be optimistic, but be realistic at the same time. Now, the other two problems are ones that are much further out of our control, one being the weather, and of course, the other being the staffing issues. And those aren't probably, well, we never control the weather, and the staffing issues are probably not going to uh, uh, resolve themselves this year. So I would say it comes down primarily to managing expectations and figuring out how to set them properly in the first place. Now, as far as managing expectations are concerned. The good news is, or maybe it's not the good news, y'all learned how to do this last year, okay? There's nothing new under the sun with regard to this. Um, The difference this year is the fluidity of the situation, especially right now with uh, low staff going in and uh, people being out sick. Now, my suggestion, and I think Maura had an excellent point there with the idea that people go to your website and they, they get a little barometer of what operations are going to look like. I agree with that. Um, I think that, that resorts should be updating their operating status in far more detail on a daily basis. And I wouldn't tuck this on your ski report that's two or three, uh, two or three clicks deep. I would, uh, I'd, I'd put that right on the homepage. And Along with this, um, always reinforce that your updates are subject to change and that this is what we expect at this at this time. Um, and I would also take it a step further than just your website. Use all the tools at your, at your disposal. I mean, you've got your website, you've got your social media streams, you've got a lot of you have apps, you've got on-site signage. There's lots of different tools that you can use. Now, as far as setting the expectations, I think it's important to set them in a way that they're clear and reasonable. 
If you know your operations are going to be curtailed in some way, explain to people how and why and tell them, you know, be upfront with them. That's the transparency that, uh, that Jay was talking about. The public may not like it all that much, but they're going to like it even less if they arrive at your resort and find that you can't deliver on the stuff that you promised them yesterday. I wouldn't be afraid to set reasonable numbers on the limit or reasonable limits on the numbers of people that you get, you're going to be able to handle at any one time. You've got the many resorts now have the the systems of managing inventory to do make that happen. Again, make sure the guests know what those limits are and why the limits are in place. Explain it to them. And at some point, you may need to consider ameliorative steps such as discounts, credits going forward, and that sort of thing. I would recommend that if you're really going through a rough stretch where you've got a lot of uh, a lot of your clientele is really cheesed off with you, I'd recommend looking at this long and hard and being proactive with it rather than you know, getting the irate email or the, you know, or the, the snotty, snotty gram on, on Instagram and, and reaching out privately and offering them a comp, I would, you know, really be looking at this from a standpoint, from a more strategic than tactical standpoint. Is there something we should be doing carrying forward to the value for the experience next year when God hope, God hoping it's a lot more normal. So, all of those things are probably even more important with regard to staff communications because your staff is really the front line. They're the ones that are getting the brunt of customer anger if they're if it exists, especially in the lift queues. Um, and your staff needs to be absolutely kept up to speed. And you you know, tomorrow's point about do we coddle the customers a little more? Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's think about coddling the staff to whatever extent we can because the folks that we've got may not be the numbers we want, but they're the ones that are keeping us going right now. Um, both with customers and with staff, my counsel is always to own up if you've screwed up. I mean, look, everybody's as tired of this stuff as, as you are, but the majority of them still fundamentally understand that we're not out of this yet, and we won't be for a little while. If you have a shit show tomorrow, explain to people what happened and what you're going to try and do to fix it. And make sure that those steps are credible and easily and clearly explained. I mean, you can't just say what we're taking steps to make sure that doesn't happen again. People are if you, if you make a statement like that, people are going to demand to know how and why and what are you really doing. There you don't have to tell them everything, but it's not a bad idea to give them an, an idea of what you're going to do. I would also counsel that right now things are so fluid that it's really a big risk to forecast out too far with regard to managing and setting expectations. So I would counsel keeping the focus on the short term, maybe the next day or two, maybe into maybe into the weekend. But I wouldn't go a whole lot further than that because you might have to um, you might have to turn on a dime. And even if you make sure that to include that little disclaimer at the bottom, this is what we expect right now. Things could change. That's all on good, but. If I got a, a communication from my favorite resort on Monday say, saying things are looking good for the weekend and then I get up there and they're not, now I'm cheesed. So um, that this is a season when rude surprises pop up and you just can't send these messages often enough. So, you, you know, you said to be, um, you know, coddle customers a little more like you and Moira had both said, um, you know, last year our customers were deeply empathetic to our, our cause and, and, um, but this year's customers, um, they don't care in the same, maybe I'm guessing, but I'm, it feels like they don't care in the same way. And, and the, the whole we're in this together 
do we keep going with that? We're in this together and, you know, and all that kind of stuff we did last year, or is there a shift in how we coddle them? I'm not sure there's an easy answer to that one, Olivia, to be honest with you, because the fact is, even though we're all just brutally tired of this, we still are all in this together. And there's really no magic bullet of which I'm aware that's going to change that. I mean, and this is why I think really making sure that your staff fully knows that you've got their back and, you know, that they understand that the people that are getting in their faces are really not mad at them as people. They're mad at what's going on in a, in a broader scale and that we just have to make them feel, yep, we understand why you're, why you're upset. We don't like it either. We're doing the best we can. Hey, we really hope you have a great day. Okay. You know, I'm not sure there's anything more we can do. And what about um, all this pretty negative publicity around long lift lines and parking and operational disruptions that, um, you know, is, is there something individual resorts um, could do to counter that broader narrative out there in the media? Is there concern that that broader narrative is defining some that don't want, you know, is, is there an opportunity for those that aren't experiencing that to kind of step out with some different messaging? Uh, yeah. There absolutely is, um, and uh, it that <laughs> look, guys. I grew up in the marketing wars in New England back in the uh, in the eighties. Okay, so I'm used to street fights, and they're kind of fun. Uh, ironically enough, uh, most of the angst that I've seen online is directed at a couple of very large seasons pass products. Okay. And I'm not saying that anybody should put any other resort in the crosshairs, although it is fun. Uh, I am saying that um, if you are not dealing with that kind of a problem and you want to subtly get that message out there that you've got plenty of parking and that, you know, here's our average lift weights in the past week and get those messages out there, it may not be a bad little marketing gag. And Look, there's nothing any of us can do to take down those photos of the huge long lift lines. There's nothing any of us can do to keep KUSA in Denver from doing a story on it. It's just unrealistic to expect that. But we can, to the extent possible, utilize this situation to um, invite people to our places. Yeah. All right. Great. Thanks so much, Skip. Appreciate My your pleasure. Insight and advice. Um, now we're going to switch gears yet again. Um, and our final section here is um, giving you an update on the OSHA ETS, um, which has the deadline of January 10th coming up. So let's start with Dave Bird of NSAA to update us on where that's at. And then John Melcher, who's the CEO <laughs> of Mountain, has been doing prep at, at um, Crystal Mountain, Michigan to get ready for this. And he's going to share a little bit about what steps he's taking. So Dave, do you want to start? Sure. Olivia, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to hear oral arguments um, uh, regarding the legality of the OSHA ETS for the vaccine or test requirement. That is after a December 17th ruling, uh, surprise ruling from the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals in Ohio that uh, reversed the Fifth Circuit ruling um, and is allowing um, the OSHA ETS to move forward. So that's where that is. That's on Friday, uh, Jan January 7th. 
um, after the Sixth Circuit came down and, and gave a green light to the ETS, OSHA revised their compliance deadlines. So now, as you noted, January 10th, Monday, is really the first day um, technically that OSHA uh, is saying that you have to have uh, compliance uh, separate and apart from the testing requirement uh, beginning. Now, OSHA in, in all reality is not going to start issuing citations on Monday, January 10th. Um, they, they could, uh, but the real date that the skiers need to keep in mind is the new testing deadline of Wednesday, February 9th. For those employees by February 9th who are not vaccinated, assuming the Supreme Court has not overturned the ETS, that's the date when weekly testing has to begin happening uh, for employees who are not fully vaccinated. So that's the really the, the bullseye date that we need to be looking at. However, um, while, the, while OSHA is not going to be visiting work sites around the country uh, likely uh, next week, if they start getting complaints, um, they could reach out to the employer and say, hey, we're getting these complaints uh, from your employees. Send us uh, a copy of your policy, your ETS, your training documentations, your vaccine roster, um, your testing and masking protocols moving forward. Uh, the actual OSHA rule came out on November 4th, November 5th. So there's really been a good two months for businesses with 100 employees or more uh, to start that compliance process. If you go to the NSA website, uh, we've been posting and updating a series of FAQs uh, specifically geared towards Skiria compliance of the OSHA ETS. There's draft policies on there. If you're a Skiria that has not begun that process, I would encourage you, I, I would uh, strongly encourage you, get a draft policy that's on our website, uh, adopt it, uh, formalize it, and shape it to your ski area uh, needs, and, and make sure you have that available. The other thing that we are recommending, and labor law experts have been recommending since November, is have that vaccine roster. Who's vaccinated, who's not? who's partially vaccinated, because that's really going to drive the February 9th deadline uh, for employee testing. Now, there's a couple things about that specific to the ski industry. Because our skiers are often in rural areas, it may be difficult to find testing opportunities. Bear in mind that the ski area and the employer are not required to pay for or provide the testing. Uh, that's going to be on or up to the individual employee who's not fully vaccinated. However, most skiers, what we are hearing, are uh, making uh, testing opportunities available or informing employees working with their local or state county health departments how to get that testing. Um, there is a, a, a high demand for that testing and it's very hard to get testing appointments uh, in certain parts of the country. Uh, but making sure that your employees know where they can do that, how they can get an appointment, that's really the extent of the employer's obligation uh, underneath uh, the OSHA ETS. The other thing is 
um, many of our ski areas, particularly in rural areas where there seems to be a higher uh, concern or hesitancy about the vaccine, um, they're even fearful of asking the question, are you vaccinated? And that's understandable. What um, I would recommend is one of the nice, the, the rare upsides to that OSHA ETS was a complete exemption for employees who work outside, exclusively work outside. We've answered um, a series of FAQs and created a draft policy on our website that you can adopt. And if you're uh, worried that just even asking an employee what their vaccination status is, if there's someone who may possibly uh, satisfy that exclusively works outside uh, exemption, you can stress them, look, you're gonna be exempt from the vaccine and the testing obligations under that. So uh, it's really up in the air. When will the Supreme Court rule? I think the Supreme Court is likely gonna rule uh, very quickly. I would be surprised if we don't have a ruling by say uh, January 20th. Uh, the Supreme Court knows that OSHA has revised their compliance deadlines um, and they're mindful of that. So they're gonna act quickly. How will they rule? Um, all the stuff that I've been reading and webinars I've been setting in, seems to be there's agreement that it's gonna be a 5-4 ruling sharply divided and 50-50 uh, either way. What, what is interesting is, is that for all the lower courts, the trial courts and the court of appeals that have ruled on uh, a variety and spectrum of vaccine mandates, some with healthcare workers, some with airlines, um, state uh, mandates, et cetera, it really seems that if you're a democratic appointed judge, federal judge, you're allowing these to move forward. And if you're a Republican appointed judge, um, you're stiff arming these vaccine uh, mandates from going into effect. Supreme Court is a 6-3 Republican uh, advantage on the US Supreme Court. Um, but I think that uh, with the current huge volume going on with Omicron, uh, that may weigh heavily on the Supreme Court's mind. In the meantime, I think the best we can do is be up to date with your, your policy on the OSHA ETS if you have more than 100 employees, because the key thing here is that OSHA says they are only looking for good faith, reasonable efforts towards compliance. And the last thing you want is an OSHA investigator showing up on site, particularly at a ski area in the winter, um, and Instead, you want to be able, when an OSHA investigator calls, to say, hey, let me send you our policy. Let me show you our vaccine roster. Let me show you what we're recommending on testing. Those things, email that off and keep them uh, from showing up on site. They don't have enough manpower to show up on site at businesses around the country, but at least make the effort uh, to have a good faith, reasonable effort in some semblance of complying with the ETS. Should we see, um, John, have you started down this road? Um, and what are you doing for the prep that um, Dave is talking about? Yeah, so we're, we're, you know, we've actually been working on this for quite a while. I'm sure everybody else has. Um, 
And, you know, we're certainly interested to see what the Supreme Court does. You know, the plan, that's easy. You know, finding out who's vaccinated, that's has not been, been an issue. The tricky part is is the testing. And, and our health department doesn't have the capacity to do it for us. We've, uh, you know, met with uh, several third-party uh, companies that provide testing, but it's, it's financially infeasible. Um, you know, they're quoting up to $50 uh, per, per test uh, per week. So our plan is to actually do it on site here. Uh, but the big question is, you know, will we be able to acquire uh, enough of the rapid testing kits uh, to get that done? And we probably were planning to do uh, testing on a Monday or a Tuesday and utilize uh, a structure we put in place uh, for employee health screens uh, last year. Um, but that that's the, the, the tricky part, you know, how, how are we going to get that uh, accomplished um, efficiently, uh, getting everybody through that test? Any other hurdles that you're coming across that you can share with operators? You know, just the, the testing is the biggest hurdle. Um, trying to get uh, you know folks to respond to our inquiries: Are you vaccinated or not? Um, and our stance is: If if we don't hear from you, we're going to consider you unvaccinated. Uh, so we've got another push going out today just to uh, round up the the, the remaining folks. Um, and then another thing that we've uh, continued to do is offer on-site vaccination clinics. Uh, so continue to try to encourage employees uh, to get vaccinated or get boosted if they haven't done that and make it as, uh, as convenient as we can. And Dave, are you, do you have any um, tips on if people are having trouble getting some of those um, kits or to, to implement that? Are you hearing anybody having success in any way that might be helpful for others to know about? It, it, it's, it's really dependent on the location you're at. Um, I think many of the skiers, if not most of them, have been looking at this issue for a while. Um, and it, it's really kind of raised um, its head uh, in light of Omicron. Uh, the testing places, I was just at the, the Denver airport and the line for testing at the Denver airport was unbelievable. Um, I think the best thing that skiers can do, uh, responsible, uh, thoughtful skiers are doing exactly what Crystal Mountain is doing in Michigan, and that is trying to provide the test, working with the county health department, scouring resources to find acceptable over-the-counter tests, and then doing those, those tests at the skier because OSHA requires that an employee cannot self-administer and self-read the test results. They have to be proctored. You could use a Zoom service or a streaming uh, video service to do that remotely. Um, but I think the responsible skiers have been looking into where they can find the test. And it, it's a real gamble on where they are and where they are available. The nice thing is, um, we have until February 9th, if the Supreme Court uh, upholds the ETS. So that does give a little bit of time. But from what I can tell, most skiers have been diving into finding where they can find tests, uh, where they can find them for over the counter at Walgreens, at Rite Aid, at Duane Reed, wherever they can find them and, and try and, and get them. The 2021-2022 winter season is far from over, as are the challenges ahead. To stay on top of the latest, subscribe to SAM Magazine for news, trends, and more to support your operation and your team. www.saminfo.com slash subscribe. 
Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podsam advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Winter Mix podcast guy. I am Sarah Bordave, and thank you for tuning in to Podsam. <laughs>